This morning, in my giving of this message and our receiving of it, we need to do so under the protection of the Lord's prevailing and victorious blood. I don't say this lightly because outwardly, verbally, audibly, someone is speaking, a message is given, but even as the message is being presented, a war is raging. And we do not have to engage directly in this war at this moment. Rather, we can be in an atmosphere of peace under the rule of the heavens and relying on the victory of Christ. But we need to see something, hopefully with crystal clarity concerning this matter of dominion. The image is first because expression is primary. God's positive purpose is to have an eternal corporate expression of himself in glory. And we were created to contain God and to express God, ultimately in a corporate way as the church consummating in the new Jerusalem. But the Lord in the very beginning, in declaring his purpose in creating man, brought forth a second dimension. This man who bears his image is given dominion over the earth, especially over the creeping things representing Satan and the evil spirits and demons, but over the entire earth. Then as we read in Genesis 1.28, God uses the word subdue. Subdue the earth. And perhaps later you could consult a powerful note on that word. The word subdue indicates a battle is raging concerning the possession of the earth. God wants to recover the earth. The enemy, the usurper, wants to retain control over the earth. So the word subdue clearly points to resistance, rebellion, defiance, insubordination, and similar matters. Now here is the underlying thought and the essence of the message. God 
formulated his eternal purpose in eternity past, chose us, and predestinated us. Then he created the universe according to his will, and he created humankind. He created man. But prior to the creation and restoration in Genesis 1, a drastic event had taken place in the universe. We admit, but without apology, we admit that our understanding of this is not the majority view, but we don't follow the majority, we follow the divine revelation. God first created the angels. And we know from a verse in Job that the angels rejoiced when God fashioned the earth. It was so beautiful. In the age before Adam, there were on the earth beings. We're not exactly sure were they humanoid, but they had spirits. And an archangel was the ruler over that situation. We know from Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 that this archangel, Lucifer, exalted himself and decided to make himself equal with God in the universe. And as we sang in hymn 941, the evil aim of Satan, even now, is to overthrow the throne of God in the universe. So this rebellion involved a large number of the angelic beings and whatever were the beings on the earth that had spirits. So that brought in a severe judgment alluded to in Genesis 1-2. The earth became empty, waste, void, darkness covered the deep. So by the time there was restoration and further creation, and man, as we know, humanity, was created first to carry out God's positive intention to express himself corporately, but second, to solve God's problem, the basic problem in the universe. And that is the rebellion of Satan, Satan's establishing his own kingdom mentioned by the Lord in Matthew 12. And that rebellious force was still in operation and wanted the earth. But God created the earth that man might fill the earth with God's expression and representation. 
So the verses we read in Genesis emphasize not only image, but dominion. And dominion implies an authority that is justly exercised to bring in rule, to maintain order. There is the basic principle involved here which may address the spoken or unspoken question and a legitimate question you may have. God is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. This spiritual being rises up in rebellion. Why doesn't God simply blow him away? Exercise his omnipotence. Well, for God to do that, to deal with a creature in that way, would be dishonoring to him. So God will not deal with the rebellious creature directly as creator. He will not lower himself to use his mighty power to rid the universe of this being. Rather, there must be another creature, man, that will deal with that rebellious creature, Satan. And this is part of the reason we exist, male and female. God specifically mentions he created them male and female. And they gave them the commission. So before the Lord can return and manifest his kingdom in glory, he must have in this age the corporate new man expressing him and exercising dominion dealing with the enemy to give the Lord, we may say, a beachhead on the earth. The Lord does not intend to physically recover the whole earth in this age. That will be in the following age. But our responsibility as the church in this age is to bring in that sovereign rule. By fulfilling God's purpose, you could say, in miniature. So we gain, God gains ground in city after city, in country after country. The word subdue has a significance deeper than the word conquer. Someone may be conquered or defeated because they're overwhelmed by a superior force. But still inwardly, there's all kinds of resistance and plans to rise up 
This shows one may be defeated outwardly, but inwardly there's all manner of rebellion and resistance and disagreement and contention. To be subdued means there's no resistance of any kind. You will eventually realize in your own life with the Lord that as one created by him to express him and represent him as part of the corporate new man, you participate in this subduing of the earth, but only subdued people can be used to subdue the enemy. Any individual, any believer, brother or sister, who has has not been subdued, but still inwardly has issues and resistance to God and his ways, cannot be useful in dealing with the enemy. At this point, I want to refer to a ministry portion that I say without exaggeration changed my life forever when I read it with care in 1968. The book in question is The Glorious Church. And in the first chapter, if I remember correctly, that deals with God's plan and God's rest, Brother Nee has a section entitled, The Work of God. That this man created by God must do the work of God. Then Brother Nee defines this work according to Genesis chapter 1. And he says the work of God that is carried out by the man created by God is to cause Satan to suffer loss on the earth and thereby to open the way for God to bring his kingdom to earth. There is no question that before Brother Lee, Brother Nee gave that message, he himself had been brought into the work of God. And he goes on to say, that in doing this work to be one of those that can cause Satan to retreat and lose ground. There can be no reservation whatever and nothing preserved for the self. 
And surely Brother Nee knew what he was talking about. He went on to say, when pre we can preach the gospel and still preserve something of the self. We can teach the Bible. We had a dear brother in our midst who was very gifted at Bible teaching. Quite a charming person. Many were drawn to him. But the self still remained. And we may retain something for the self when we're caring for the church affairs. But if we are to deal with the enemy, nothing of self can be preserved. And I really pondered that. And I prayed concerning this. And soberly, under the light, I presented myself to the Lord in the summer of 1968 to become one, among others, who will, in fact, carry out the work of God. Much like the Lord's word in Luke 14 about counting the costs, right? don't just impulsively decide to do something. You count the costs. Can you finish building the tower? Can you with your small army defeat a bigger army? Count the costs. And the cost is very particular. Brother Nee also says something that has helped me immensely. He said, Satan is afraid of only one kind of person. And that is a person who does not love his soul life. Well, by the Lord's mercy, I didn't become introspective at that time, examining myself and concluding, forget about it, it's impossible. Neither was I rash and enthusiastic to say, yeah, let's sing inspiring hymns on warfare. It was a very sober consideration with the realization things will change and things will happen. For the rest of my life, they will happen. In response to this particular kind of consecration. So I gave myself to the Lord that he might do whatever he needed to do that I might join Brother Nee and others to do the work of God. So in the 48 years since then, 
and surely the work is still in progress. My God has been unsparing, for which I thank him. I don't want him to hold back, just as he did not want me to hold back. He must deal radically and thoroughly with the self, the love of the soul life, so that when we, as God's representative exercising dominion, confront the enemy, he will wilt, he will realize, I have no ground. Remember what the adversary told God concerning Job. All that a man has, he'll give for his life. Everything, anything. Now here are a group of Godmen who are ready to lay down their soul life for the fulfillment of God's purpose. Whatever form that laying down may take experientially. It is no wonder then that in the same book, Brother Nee has a chapter on the overcomers. He expounds Revelation 12, 11. They overcame him first because of the blood of the Lamb. We overcome the enemy's accusations. And by the word of our testimony, this is our testimony concerning Christ's victory over Satan. It's not a testimony of our experience. And then the overcomers have this attitude. They do not love their soul life, even unto death. How can we, who were born full of self, who love self more than anyone or anything else, how can we ever become such persons? The only way is to allow the unique God-man, the man who reserved nothing for himself, who laid down his soul life for us, who was obedient unto death, who was able to confront the enemy in his, the Lord Jesus, humanity and defeat him. We need to let him become our person, living in us, making us the same as he is. Brother Watchman Nee had no advantage over us by birth, humanly. He wasn't born with a lesser self, with a diminished sin element. He was the same as all of us. But under the light of tremendous revelation, he presented himself 
to the Lord. And the sheer fact that he would obey God to return to the mainland to suffer all kinds of persecution and imprisonment and was faithful to the end and maintained his joy is a testimony. He did not love his soul life unto death. It's part of our being human according to God's creation that we exercise this aspect of God's purpose in creating us. God will use man to defeat the enemy. Now, the the glorious news for us is that the God-man Jesus fought for victory and destroyed the devil on the cross, judged the God of this world, and now has the keys of death in Hades. Whereas he fought for victory, we fight from victory and in his victory. Probably there is no place on earth that will require this kind of denying the self than Europe. This will be the theater. We don't know the details of the enemy's last stand. Of his leading an army to fight directly against the Lord. And I don't want to frighten or discourage the saints in America. Actually, it would be a glorious vision, you realize. You go to Europe. You're going into another realm, to another theater of combat. We're going to shine forth the gospel of the glory of Christ. And we are going there to cause Satan to lose ground. He will lose people that he has in his possession. But we will bind the strong man and we will plunder his house. And we will plant church trees, golden lampstands, all over. Outwardly, The situation seems to be under the enemy's control, but the Lord has a beachhead. He has a landing point. I have to tell you, I don't know any other way to live as a Christian, as a brother in the Lord's recovery, 
than to live out Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Anything less is to fail God and to not carry out his purpose. We do not despise the evangelistic work of others or the work of Bible teachers or whatever it is. But you can preach the gospel. Actually, you can be according to the principle of rebellion and still do many seemingly spiritual things. But preaching the gospel, teaching the Bible, are absolutely crucial, but they are for meeting human need. Who will meet God's need? Some may protest, how can you say God has a need? They're in theological darkness. God has a problem, a rebellious creature who has usurped the earth that God wants for his expression and kingdom. That's a need. God needs enjoyment. That's why Paul speaks of God's good pleasure. So we're not here only to take care of human need. We will more than ever. We love the, the Europeans, wherever they are, and our heart is open to the suffering refugees. But we need to be clear. Deeper than this necessary work is something else. We are here to fulfill God's eternal purpose related to image and dominion. And we will do this at any cost. We say that as a choice, not as a promise that we can fulfill ourselves. So I believe the Lord was with me 48 years ago when I read and was profoundly moved by Brother Nee's ministry. I believe the Lord himself had been interceding so that I just presented myself. My eyes are wide open. I choose this costly way. Because, dear Lord, your need must be met. Thank you for gaining Brother Nee, for showing this to him, for bringing him into this reality. Thank you that he gave a message. In the year I was born, he was giving those messages at the age of 37. What a price he paid to have such a ministry formed. What a price he paid to have such a ministry carried out. What a price he paid 
to be imprisoned. But he was very clear what he was doing. And because of this brother, Satan lost big time. I'd like to tell the enemy something else. The hour is coming, enemy, when you will lose China completely. I just share a funny thought with you. Funny meaning is kind of unusual and it may be just far-fetched. But in the kingdom, the overcomers will have various degrees of reward. Some will rule nations. Watchman Nee and Witness Lee came from China. So in the 20th century, it was Mao Zedong and Zhou Enlai. Wouldn't it be wonderful if in the millennium it's Watchman Nee and Witness Lee? I kind of think that makes sense. Why would the Lord assign Patagonia to Watchman Nee? You know? The Lord, he's going to recover the earth. But before he can come and claim his inheritance to the whole earth and abolish human government and deal with the enemy's armies, he must have in this age at least a partial fulfillment of Genesis 1.26 in the church. Then I say again, at least for the third time, this opens the way for the Lord to return, to turn the age. We will be the age turners. Now as we read read through the outline, I believe the points will shine forth. God created a corporate man, not only to express him, but also to represent him by having dominion over all things. So one aspect of our becoming one who can participate in the work of God is that we need to become part of this corporate man. I've told this story more than once. It goes back to maybe 1972. I was walking home from a meeting with brothers and there was a small stone on the sidewalk And I don't know why. I just felt like kicking it. So I just kicked it. And went skidding along. And it stopped. And I kept walking. And I approached it again and kicked it again a few times. Then I was enlightened. I won't say there was an audible speaking. But I was enlightened. And, And here was the light. You can kick that stone as it is now, but take the same stone and cement it into a wall. Then what happens if you kick it? You break your foot. 
As long as we remain a living stone, not in the building, the enemy can just kick us around whenever he wants to. He may just ignore us we were no threat or just because he's so perverse, he just may harass us. So we do need to know the reality of this corporate man, that we're part of this. We cannot be independent. We cannot be individualistic. And we're part of a corporate man that bears characteristics such as, oh, we enjoy the shining God and we express him and we love the Lord supremely and we enjoy him and we are all willing to lay down our soul life. And we learn this in the church life. We all know John 3.16. We may not know 1 John 3.16, which says, herein is love, that he laid down his soul life for us. And we ought to lay down our soul lives for the brothers. This is what real love is. Love is laying down your soul life. That the divine life will flow from you into others. The church life, as we sang in hymn 602, is the life of God in Christ being life to us and of our denying our soul life that this life can flow. And as we learn to lay down our soul life in the church, as the good shepherd did in John 10, then it becomes quite a normal part of our being. We have another life in us for the sake of that life and its flowing. We lay down, we do not love our natural human life. Whether that's natural affection, natural relationship, a certain kind of enjoyment, we're not practicing asceticism. We are denying the self and losing the soul life so that we can confront the enemy, defeat him, subdue the earth, and bring in God's kingdom. Amen. Two, God's intention in giving man dominion is to subdue God's enemy, Satan, who rebelled against God. The creeping things that creep upon the earth typify Satan, the serpent, and his angels, as well as the demons who follow Satan. Subdue, in Genesis 1.28, implies that a war is raging on earth between God and his enemy, Satan. Whoever gains the earth will have the victory. No wonder the Lord prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now you can see what a ruse, what a trick Satan pulled when he distorted the understanding of John 14 and now the believers are directed to a mansion in the heavens, forsaking the earth, enemies laughing. Well, you may laugh at religion, but we're going to shut your mouth, enemy. Amen. 
you're not going to laugh when the overcomers return with the Lord and you are bound and cast into the abyss. And you're not going to laugh when you are thrown into the lake of fire. And the Lord will not do this alone. He's coming back with a warrior bride. This corporate person. See, God has a problem. And this problem is Satan, the archangel, who rebelled against God and became his enemy in the universe, and especially on the earth. According to Genesis 3.1, Satan, as God's enemy, hid himself in the serpent, one of the creeping things on the earth, in order to subdue his enemy and thus solve his problem, God gave man authority to rule over all things created by God. We know from the end of Matthew 28 that all authority belongs to the resurrected Christ. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and disciple the nations. We'll see this in the following message. That is, you bring the ungodly ones under God's rule. But this authority is not something we exercise over one another. This authority is to deal with the enemy. He has power. But Christ has authority And he deputizes us and authorizes us to exercise his authority to represent him in dealing with this rebellious power. Three, man especially must rule over the earth and even subdue the earth because the earth has been usurped by God's rebellious enemy. So just a kind of sidebar. All of us, because of the element of sin in us, there is this rebellious element that makes parts of us Unruly. We're all the same. We have different ways of expressing this. We're all the same. The Lord knows this. He's not shocked. When he came into your spirit, he knew what he was doing. But there's such a thing as being saved much more in his life. And reigning in life. So that the two working together as one gradually subdue us. You may have a very, very smart mind. But it's used by an active soul life. Well, God created you with that smart mind for a purpose. Now it's usurped by the enemy. But eventually he'll renew your mind and subdue your soul life so that your thinking, your memory, your imagination, all the parts of your soul are subdued.
and there's a profound peace and rest. You're not squelched. You're not squished. You're not squashed. You're subdued. And probably we'll sing a hymn this afternoon. And this is the reality of the kingdom in our inward parts. We're living in this reality with a profound peace and a sweet enjoyment. And so because we're subdued, we can subdue. And the enemy, he's probably a master psychologist. He can detect our psychological state. That's why he can attack when there's ground there. But when he realizes, oh, these people are under the direct rule of the sovereign God, and they have been subdued, and they do not love their soul life. I have to back. We command him. You have to step back. We do not allow you to engage in this activity. The Lord may allow you to do X, Y, and Z, okay, but not this. We're directed by the Lord to limit you. Amen. We bind you. Amen. And we release those whom you have held captive. Amen. For God needs man to exercise his authority. God needs man to exercise authority over all the creeping things. And God needs man to subdue and conquer the rebellious earth so that God may recover the earth for his kingdom. So God needs us to do this. I want to make it clear that according to the word, this is not a purely male thing. The brothers are engaged in spiritual warfare and the, the sisters are cooking. Male and female, he created them. So this corporate person in God's creation involves the females. A few years ago, a sister came to my office and she was one of several experienced serving sisters that were praying. And she asked me, can we engage in warfare as sisters? Because they were facing a situation in their care for a young sister that was literally a matter of life and death. So I told them, yes, you can. But in doing so, you need to be covered. So don't worry. We will cover you. You're covered. And they prayed with authority. And that sister's life was spared. The Lord defeated death, defeated the enemy in that situation. That wasn't the time for the sisters to wail and cry out. It was the time for the sisters to be fierce warriors, binding the enemy and judging him, rebuking him, and telling him, take your hands off our sister. You have no right to her. 
And the enemy couldn't accuse them of overreaching as women. They could say, we're covered. Our heads are covered. We're under the covering of the brothers. We're in the body. You try to touch us. You touch the whole body. I don't think you're that dumb. But maybe he is that dumb. But I'm not suggesting now the sisters concentrate on warfare prayers. I just don't want you to have any thought that this is just for like the, the special ops brothers in the recovery. No, this is a body matter. This is a church matter. This is a matter of the corporate new man. Yes, it's a blessing that there are some brothers and sisters that have more experience to perfect others, but not to replace them. I was deeply touched in hearing the testimony of a general in the Vietnam War named Moore, General Moore. He wrote a book entitled, We Were Soldiers Once and Young. And he described his training of a number of soldiers that would go directly into combat by helicopter. He let them know what was happening. And he said, I will always be the first one to step out of that helicopter and the last one to get back in. So it's with this kind of spirit, if there are, speaking metaphorically, like senior officer brothers, they're not going to be removed from the situation. We'll be in this together. They'll be the first ones to step out of the helicopter and the last ones to get in to be sure everyone is safe. Then, of course, this was a real situation and there was very great loss, but that touched me. Toward the end of the tribulation, our lovely bridegroom is going to say to us somehow, dear, Come on, we're going on a trip. Where are we going? Well, Armageddon. <laughs> we're going to, to war. That's one reason I married you. You've got credentials. You're experienced in war. And she might say, well, what do you wear? This is the female question. What do you wear when you go to war? <laughs> And he would say, your wedding gown is just fine. It will now become your uniform. Then you read Revelation 19. He's there taking the lead. Okay, this is actually going to happen. Okay? Okay. <clears throat> this age will come to an end. There will be the tribulation. At the most desperate time, some will pray from Isaiah, Lord, rend the heavens and come down. By that time, the Lord with the overcomers will be on the cloud. And then there will be the manifestation and the Lord with his 
warrior bride will descend at Armageddon, destroy the armies of the enemy, then human government is abolished and the kingdom is manifested. This is actually going to happen. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. <laughs> I just want to be there with you. Don't you want to be there? Okay. So God wants man to deal with his enemy. He created man for this purpose. God wants his creature, man, to deal with his fallen creature, Satan. So please understand the principle. God will not lower himself to exercise his Godhead, his divine power, to deal with something he created. It brings glory to him if another creature would carry out this as his representative, and that's us. Three, God's intention in giving man dominion is to recover the earth. God created man with the intention of recovering the earth for himself. Man was created by God to have dominion over the earth, to subdue it, to conquer it, and thereby recover the earth for God. God wants to regain the earth. The earth has become a crucial place, a place that Satan wants to hold and the place that God wants to regain. So now it's so clear. Satan wants to retain possession that he has illegally and God wants to regain what he has the right to and we are here, as this minority, agreeing with God. So we need to have God's view of the earth. Even when we're raptured, that's not the rapture of escape. That's the rapture of first fruits to satisfy God, the rapture of the man-child that will trigger off the final battle. Then after we're raptured, we come back to the earth, deal with the enemy on the earth, abolish human government on the earth. Oh, what a happy day. No more Trumps and no more Hillarys. No more nonsensical U.S. elections because there's no more human government. Oh, happy day. But now as an American, I got to live in that crazy political situation. But I know whom to vote for. I'm voting for the throne. I cast my vote for the sovereign God to do his will on the earth. Three, man is commissioned to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and to subdue it. So our multiplying to our gospel preaching is necessary for the subduing. If the Lord is ever able to subdue Syria and Afghanistan and Iran, he has to subdue Syrians, Iranians, and others. 
So in his wisdom, he brought them to us. We couldn't go there to them, so he brings them to us. And the Lord will gain many, 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 but his view is, <clears throat> I want Iran back. I want Syria back. And I want to obliterate the ISIS stronghold. God is fully aware, but he has his way to do it. So we need to be fruitful. We need to pray for this and multiply. We should pray for multiplication to fill the earth. Then this multiplication will become the corporate person to subdue. The Lord's name must be sanctified on earth and become excellent in all the earth. How wonderful. No one cursing him. No one using his name in a blasphemous way. But his name is sanctified all over the earth. Four, God's intention in giving man dominion is to exercise God's authority over the earth in order that the kingdom of God may come to the earth. The will of God may be done on earth and the glory of God may be manifested on earth. So there are three things here in this remaining section. A says we need to exercise God's authority so that the kingdom of God may come to the earth. Now these subpoints are very crucial for our spiritual understanding. The genuine church is the kingdom of God in this age. According to the Old Testament types, the temple typifies the church as the house, and the city typifies the church as the kingdom. And some saints, they make a mistake, perhaps unknowingly, They are in the church life, actually selectively. What I mean is that, oh, I like the family life. I like to be in the house where there's enjoyment. It's so pleasant. We are all God's family. But, ooh, I mean, the kingdom under rule, limitation, under God's authority. Oh, I don't, I don't like this. Well, the church is the kingdom. When my daughter, she's the firstborn, when she was born, she was born into a realm where she is under the direction of parents. She has nothing to say about it. We were born into the kingdom of God. We need to know and respect the church as the kingdom of God. And especially, according to Colossians, it is the kingdom of the son of God's love. We are ruled by love, life, and light. The church brings in the kingdom. See, here's the sequence. The gospel of the kingdom is proclaimed. 
And the gospel of the kingdom produces the church. Now the church is the kingdom in practicality and in reality. Then the responsibility of the church is to bring in the kingdom in manifestation. So that when the Lord established the table, we declared the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord's table bridges the Lord's redemptive death and resurrection and his coming again. And we have the view in a sense of anticipation, we will do this until you come. Then the Lord said, I will not drink of this cup until I drink it anew with you in the kingdom. And in Luke 12, there's a beautiful picture where the overcomers will be there. Then the Lord himself, this is in the kingdom, will gird himself and come forth and serve us. What a lovely, lovely situation. So we like to learn how to be the kind of church that will do the work of bringing in the kingdom. The rest of point two says the work of the church is to bring in the kingdom of God, mainly through our praying, but also very much through our gospel preaching, through our living corporately under the direct rule of God. The church was brought into being for the purpose of bringing in the kingdom. The Lord taught us to pray, your kingdom come. We want the kingdom to come. I remember the first time I went in, not alone, to China in 1981 to bring in Bibles. And I saw directly the mass of people there. The innumerable masses. And I went back to my room in Hong Kong. I could just kneel down and weep for China with the realization only the coming of the kingdom is the solution to what is going on there. Lord, your kingdom come. So the church, we exist for this purpose. This needs to be wrought into us. This needs to be in our consciousness. The church should pray with authority to bring in the kingdom of God. So through the gospel, the kingdom is actually being brought into Germany and other parts of Europe. We pray with authority for this and exercise authority over the complexity of the situation. We don't agree with any terrorists pretending to be refugees, but you know everyone's situation. We bind the work of the enemy in this and we release your blessing in this. We're not here beggars. We're here as learning to be co-kings, praying with authority. B, we need to exercise God's authority so that the will of God may be done on earth. Oh, I believe saints in Berlin, they would pray, Lord, your will be done in Berlin. 
You consider the past, the last century, all the things that took place in Berlin. How about now we pray, Lord, your will be done in Berlin. Your will be done in Stuttgart. Your will be done in Dusseldorf. Your will be done in Frankfurt. Your will be done all over Germany. All over Europe. We want your will done on the earth. I believe we'll have powerful prayer to this end. God is a God of purpose, having a will of his own pleasure. And he created all things for his will so that he might accomplish and fulfill his purpose. The kingdom is absolutely a matter of God's will and completely fulfills God's will. In fact, the kingdom is God's will. And this is not the permissive will. This is the ordained, perfect will of God. And we all should be able to bear this testimony. I live for this. I live in this. I do not live for my self-will or the will of anyone else. I live and breathe for God's will to be done on earth. We need to pray for the Father's will to be done on earth as in heaven. I don't know that much about how it's done in heaven, but I'm really quite certain that it's done immediately. You know, when Herod is giving that speech, exalting himself, and the people are saying he's a god, then an angel struck him. If God says to a certain angel, go down and deal with Herod, the angel doesn't say, can't you send this one to go? No. God's will is done immediately in the heavens. So he wants his, he, he, he not only wants his will done on earth, he wants it done as it has done, as it is done in heaven. C, we need to exercise God's authority so that the glory of God may be manifested on the earth. You see, the image and the glorious expression are primary. But there cannot be the expression of this glorious image without a realm for it to be exhibited. And the realm is the earth ruled over by the kingdom. So the kingdom and the glory go together. If there is no kingdom on the earth, there's no way for God's glory to be manifested on the earth. So we need to exercise God's authority so that the glory of God may be manifested on earth. God is a God of glory. Glory is the expression of God. God expressed we may pray, Lord, we want to see you expressed on the earth. Amen. We do not agree with the expression of self and of Satan. We are here for the expression of the God of glory. The kingdom of God is the realm in which God exercises his power so that he can manifest his glory. So this message 
sets forth this marvelous matter of God giving man dominion to subdue the enemy, recover the earth, and exercise authority. In the afternoon, we will see the kingdom of God is the, the gospel of the kingdom is the carrying out of this. We live a gospel and we proclaim a gospel addressed to unruly, rebellious people so that they may be brought into the kingdom of God, brought under the rule of God, so that the will of God may be done on earth and the glory of God will be expressed on the earth. And we'll see it is this gospel in particular, according to Matthew 24, 14, that will be preached throughout the inhabited earth. And in biblical usage, the expression, the inhabited earth, has a focus. And I wouldn't say it's limited to this, but the focus is the area around the Mediterranean, in Europe in particular. We're going to preach this gospel so that God may be represented on the earth, Satan may be defeated, the kingdom of God will come, and God will be glorified. My brothers and sisters, for this we were created. For this we were redeemed. For this we are in the church. Amen. So let's be for this Amen. with our whole being. Amen. So please pray with someone nearby. Then the brothers will direct us on how to use the remaining time.